I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to season three, episode four of the Box Set Pod. I've got a challenge for you. Something I've noticed recently is that friends of mine and people who listen to the Box Set Pod, they often go to the interviews of the... They, they judge which episode to listen to based on what they're interested in, which seems like a sensible thing to do. You look for the box set that you already know or the famous person's name you recognise. But some other people have realised that by listening to other ones, you realise, oh, actually, the other ones are fun as well. So so do uh, have a browse around, listen to ones that are outside your subject zone, because the point of this podcast is to recommend things that you haven't seen yet, and also to try and be entertaining. So your challenge is to listen to them all. Yes. Uh, browse around, have a listen to a, a couple of others, and um, I'm sure you'll enjoy them as well. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. Yes, Season 3, Episode 4. Today we are going to be joined by... Uh, a very special guest, Ollie. He is uh, a film reviewer for Empire Magazine. You might have seen him all over the place doing um, doing things. He's very yes, good. He's very good at reviewing films and such like. I've got a question to ask him about comedy. I've got a criticism of of reviewers. Critics. I've got a theory that critics don't like comedies as much. I uh, think I've you're got a theory right. of why that is. But you know, what? I think it's harder. To judge comedies. Yeah, I think it's harder to make a good comedy and I think it's harder to judge a good comedy. I think comedy. it's hard to judge because I think sense of humour is something that is very subjective. Yes. And sorry, objective. Yes. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that's why critics struggle more with that than any other genre of film and they get it wrong so many times. Anchorman in Empire Magazine. Yeah. I'm not I'm gonna tell Ollie this later, got yeah. three stars. Wow. I mean seriously. Which one? The first one? Yeah, the first Jeez. one. Jeez. Well we will we will uh, get on to that. In the meantime, what's been happening in the world of TV this week, Jamie? Yes, uh, I've got some TV news. Go to the boxsetpod.com a slash news and I put up anything that titillates my brain. So I, I pop up all sorts of stuff. Uh, there was a recently an article I've put on there from the Den of Geek. Uh, Den of Geek's brilliant. Uh, if you go on there, their site's amazing. And they've got a list of the 30 movies currently being turned into TV shows. Mm-hmm. 30. So usually it's the other way around. You flip reverse it. TV shows eventually get made into films. Sometimes yeah. good, sometimes bad. Yeah. Well, 30 films are being made into... Because TV's massive these days. It's as big, if not bigger, than a film. Yeah. Show, films like Big. Big is being made into, a TV, into a, a TV show. No Hanks involved, which could be the slipping point. But that's getting involved in it. The Devil's Advocate, uh, Al Pacino film where Devil is in charge of a law firm. That's being made into a TV show. Fatal Attraction. They're making the bunny boiling classic into a TV show. Fox are getting involved in that. That should be quite interesting. Ghost, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Their amazing film is being made into a TV show. I mean, they could spend a whole episode just making ceramics around the pottery (laughs) base. That's a whole episode's worth. Hitch, Will Smith's film, a great film. And I always thought when I watched Hitch, it would make a good TV show. It's quite a simple formula. A guy setting 
fucking losers up with women. Um, other stuff includes In the Heat of the Night. Now, that's going to be interesting. That's a Sidney Poitier classic film from the 60s about racial divides in South, in South of America. That's been into a TV show. NBC are working on that. Limitless, the film with Bradley Cooper and um, Robert, da- uh, Robert De Niro in, mm-hmm. that's been made into a TV show. Bradley Cooper's even producing that, so he's going to make some extra cash out of it. Minority right. Report, Spielberg's doing this. The oh. film he made with Tom Cruise, that's been turned into a TV show, and Spielberg's company are devising that and developing it. Uh, lastly, on their problem... <laughs> Problem Child. You remember Problem Child as a kid, the film? Yeah. Oh, I always remember the Vomino scene where all the kids are on the ride and they just vom yeah, one it. after another, another vom and another scene. vom, and it's just a it's just, it's just an avalanche of vom. <laughs> but I loved Problem Child and that freaky kid. I wonder how old he is now. He must be in his thirties, sat in his underpants. But anyway, yeah. they're making a TV show out of Problem Child. Um, other stuff includes Rush Hour. They're doing a Rush Hour Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker stuff. They're doing that. So you know, it'd be great to get Ollie joining in on this, wouldn't it? Should we just get him, get him on? involved? Shutter Island. Shutter Island's been made into a TV show. The DiCaprio film, which is very good. School of Rock. Sorry. School of Rock's been made into a TV show. So there's loads of stuff being turned into films at the moment. Here's a good one, Howard. Truman Show. Oh, what? that into a TV Holy show. Holy smoking. Early days yeah, for this who one. Who can do? Let, let's get Ollie to join in on this. Yeah, okay. there's so much top. I mean, it's, it's an it's an immense and amazing list. Oh, what's going on with this number he sent me? Come on, Ollie. That's as delicately as I can. Da- there we go. Here we go. It was my fault. I was dialing it wrong. Here comes Ollie Richards from Empire Magazine. Hello. Morning, Hello. Ollie. Hello, how are you? All right, how are you? Very good, thank you. Good, thank you. We just failed to call you three times then. So uh, you join us mid-pod. We're already recording, Ollie. Okay. Right, is there anything you want to talk about um, off-air? Uh, have you got any, uh, are there any gangsters after you at the moment? Anything that you need to tell us off-air? Because we can always pause got it. got any queries about your fee? There are, there are none that I'm aware of, but, you know, <laughs> okay. if they're any good at their jobs, then I wouldn't be aware, I guess. That's true. Let me just clarify, you're not getting paid for this, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> um, uh, Ollie, I've just been discussing with Howell. Uh, I've been on Den of Geek. Do you go on Den of Geek, the website? Every now and again, yes. Well, on there, they've got a list of 30 films being made into TV shows, and it's an in- insane list of, t- of films we've been to. Uh, uh, Truman Show has been made into a TV show, Ollie. What do you think of that? That's not a bad idea. I mean, I know it's a really, really popular thing now because it's, I guess it's, I wonder if it's kind of a cheaper way of carrying on um, a lot of uh, things that, yeah, they try sequels to things they maybe don't do so well. Like, you know, things like Hannibal going to TV, mm. uh, all sorts of things. Uh, Truman Show could could be a good idea. I think it's quite a hard idea to, to sustain across a full series. Now, right, because you you need you. It's got. It, it's in need of such a resolution, isn't it? Of, yeah. Unless he finds out in the first episode, he figures it out in the first episode, and the rest of it is the escape. That now that's kind of a prison well, break situation, yeah. isn't it? I don't know about that one. Oh, what about this, Ali? Give us an idea, right? I'm going to go through a list of these films we've been into TV shows. You just go good you, <laughs> predictions of whether they'll be good or bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Starting off, Uncle Buck. Oh, brilliant. 
That'll be brilliant. But the problem with sorry to interrupt already. Go but for it. The, the problem with Uncle Buck and Truman Show is surely the lack of John Candy or Jim Carrey from those things. Like, how are you go? How can you possibly cast somebody else in those parts? That is very true. I do think with Uncle Buck, you might uh, the say the saving grace might be that a lot of people are not going to be old enough to have necessarily seen the film. So anyone who yeah. has, yes, you're always going to miss John Candy. Yeah. If they've they've got to... taken the idea and going for anyone who's below about 30, yeah. then they might be fine. They've <laughs> got to get Culkin involved as well. Give him a cameo. Oh, God. That'd be so creepy. <laughs> He's such a weird-looking man, isn't he? He was never meant to grow up. No, His bless him. face is weird. Uh, here's another one. School of Rock. Uh, oof, God, no, no interest whatsoever. God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shutter Island. Whoa. Again, that's it's far too reliant on a twist, I think, for that to be able to work as... Yeah. Uh, you can't, I don't know if you can sustain that. But, you know, there's so many things that you think, God, that will be, that will be terrible, and then, and then it works. Yeah, you never know. It depends who's behind it a lot of the times, doesn't it, with these things? Because if you've got good creators, good showrunners, it can make a difference. Because um, they're making Rush Hour. What about Rush Hour? I didn't like the film, so I'm not particularly excited about the idea of there being a TV series either. <laughs> Couldn't agree more, but this is an example of when you get a good show. And Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs, he's one of the writers and uh, the executive people behind it, and he's brilliant. I love Scrubs, and if he can do some work with it, he might get some good stuff out of yeah, it. Yeah, that you could never totally make sense. What about this problem, child? Oh, my God, why are they resurrecting that? <laughs> films, no one liked the films in the first place. Seven-year-olds liked the films in the first place. they didn't. I think I was one of them. When I saw it, they didn't like it. I guess who? They've got the writer of the film The Hangover to start writing problems. Really? (laughs) Did did he write the sequels as well? I mean, it's really... (laughs) Uh, My minority report, Spielberg's behind this one. He's producing it. I think great idea. Really, that that could definitely make a TV show. That's just... I mean, that's just... Uh, that, that, that's a really obvious one to do because yes. they can just do a crime procedural but in a way that hasn't been done before so yeah totally on board with that could Mal- also be like the next uh, Star Trek type thing yeah you know? it's one of those worlds that has so much philosophy and exactly. theory attached to it yeah it's got a natural kind of gimmick thing that could work through our whole series for a number of series doesn't it it's just got a natural sort of like and yet oh, it's got depth as well it's completely it's one that you can see you don't need that explained what that TV show would be which exactly. I think is probably the the key thing that a lot of them need, really. Marley and me. What? Um, I have neither read the book nor seen the film, <laughs> but knowing what happens in the end, yeah, yeah, that's going to be. You know, I'd love it. Be kind of a depressing TV yeah. show. <laughs> you know, I'd love it if every episode ended with a dog dying, <laughs> <laughs> like a really cute Labrador puppy, <laughs> a different dog. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. Uh, Limitless. Uh, oh, is that the Bradley Cooper one? Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I can't see it. But, you know, again, maybe if they get the right showrunner. Yeah, In the Heat of the Night. Oh, God, I don't, my knowledge of that film is not good enough. What's uh, that? What's, it's Sidney Poitier, isn't it? Poitier film from years and years and years ago. Oh, yeah. Is it like Mississippi, is it? Is it like South? Yeah, no? I want to say that is correct. And I have seen it, but I haven't. I saw it about 15 years ago. And, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a well-regarded classic, but yeah. I can't, I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't give a proper opinion on whether well, that would make a good TV well, show or not. It's very specific to the time it's yeah. set in, isn't it? I don't know how it would yeah, but work. That's or my, maybe that's where they'll, maybe they'll set yeah, it. That's back what then. might work with these things. Shutter Island stands out as like a world that is very dense. And again, the problem is the is the twist. If you can get that out of the way or change, like Fargo did, you know, just change the 
change the story completely, use it as an inspiration rather than a, a retelling of the story, then maybe. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, when, when Fargo came along, I genuinely thought that it was going to be awful, that TV show, and somehow mm. they made it amazing. Well, so. it's true of so many of these things, isn't it? It's like when Hannibal started, people thought, God, that's that's just not a... That's not a character you can sustain across TV, and it's. I know it's been, been uh, it's all up in the air now. Um, but over four seasons, I know it's got huge. It's got massive fans of it, and loads of people say that it's done it really well. So, it, I, like I think, like you said earlier, it's not really necessarily about the the idea as we understand it yeah. from the film. It's about they get a good showrunner who finds a really interesting thing to do with it. Yeah, because here's, here's another example of one that I think will be good, even though initially you think not because of the showrunner, the, the Devil's Advocate, the Al Pacino film. Oh, wow. Remember that? Yeah, that could, yeah, I guess that could work. Well, you could, you know, kind of Satan running a, a, law, a law firm. I yeah. can see that working. And, it, and it's got John Wells, who I believe did like, um, what's it called? Uh, he did West Wing. He oh, did wow. um, oh, ER. Oh, so, you can't mess with that then, can you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's yeah. a good example. So there's some of so 30 films turned into TV show, Den of Geek. It's worth a look, actually. That's fair. Wow, we'll have a look through that. Lots more news on theboxheadpod.com slash news. Now, Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So Ollie is, has great credentials. He's a brilliant <laughs> film reviewer and nice guy to boot. Um, Ollie, we've got uh, questions for you as your life as a as a as a critic, but oh you, you're a big fan of TV as well. Let's start with the question we always end with for people, which is one of those pub questions. You are getting on a spaceship, you go into outer space, you're never coming back, and you're only allowed three box sets to come with you. Ooh. Now, this could be... Maybe we should separate, because it's Ollie, maybe we should go film and TV separate. So you're allowed six. Everyone else is going to want to kill you on the spaceship, because <laughs> I've got three. I'm happy to go with the standard one. If you just want to give me the three box sets that everyone else... All right, okay. Three, three, box, okay. three box sets Do for it. TV. So, one of them would have to be Friends. Oh, really? I've seen every episode at least five times, but I can always watch them again. It's the one show that if it comes on, I'll happily watch six episodes in a row because I'm a desperately sad person. Well, let's delve into you that see, again. You see, for me, it's Frasier that I can watch oh, time and again, and it's, really? it's still brilliant. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But let's delve into that in a minute. That's number one. Second one would be... The West Wing. Yes, yes. yes Ollie, nice. You, you've now made your way into our spaceship. <laughs> well done. Because uh, I've watched it. I've watched it twice, but it's one of those shows that I think you can keep watching again and finding new things. Yeah, I've, I've been around the uh, whole thing three times now, which is quite a lot of time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and the third one would be. I'm wondering if I should take something that I've never got round to. Yeah, go on. Or, I mean, there's two that I've never got round to, and both of them you might hang up on me immediately. <laughs> go on, go uh, for it, go for it. I think, simply because of the two that I haven't seen, that is the longer one, hmm. I would take The Sopranos. Ah. Oh. oh. So you've never watched The Sopranos? No, I know. Bad person. And what do you do for a living again? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a film and TV journalist. Um, but, no, we, we say this a lot on the box set. It's like people hey, email us and go, off. how come you haven't mentioned X? And it's like, actually, when you sit and you look at how many box sets there are, it's vast. you're talking about yeah. hundreds. I'm yeah. amazed that uh, hu the human race has managed to make as much as they have in a short amount of time, you know. 
There are so many, and it's the thing is when it gets to a point where you know I couldn't I couldn't have jumped into The Sopranos four seasons in or something. No, you no. Have to start from the beginning, and I'm terribly old, so I am from the days where <laughs> things were. I think they were still coming out on videotape when <laughs> when uh, yeah. when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and so I had to wait until the whole thing's finished. And then there's something intimidating yeah. about having what six or seven series or something. I mean, it's, it's daunting to watch. It, exactly, it I've is seen daunting. A couple. But I haven't seen the whole lot, and I will at some point. I mean, it is great. Uh, it's not one that I... We've argued about this before, because I would pick West Wing over, over Sopranos. But it, it is uh, such a massive novel, and I'm not sure if I will ever watch it again. Whereas yeah. with West Wing, I definitely would watch it again. I think you'd, I think I'll absolutely love it. Yes. It is amazing. It's just immense. I, I can't... I can't see why you would regret putting it on your spaceship, Ollie. <laughs> I've no doubt that I will love it when I get around to watching it. But, you know, I've got, I've got to watch Friends again, so... Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Friends for a moment, right? Because, obviously, it's on Comedy Central all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife was a massive Friends fan. So we've got the box sets and we're watching it every day. And um, when you watch that, you do realise that... Um, uh, uh, when you compare it to 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 um, the laugh a second comedy of something like um, what's it called? What's the bloody big one now? Big Bang. Big no, uh, yeah, Bang Big Bang Theory. Theory. Um, it is much less intense than that, and yet it's really, really good char- character comedy that that they kept up. And um, scene by scene, they're just really, really good comic setups of quite you know quite a large ensemble cast. And um, there, there's nothing quite like it that's been since, I don't think. No, I think so. And so much of I think of it is to do with chemistry. Yeah. You know, it's, a rare, it's one of those rare shows where you, you never heard that the people didn't like each other. They clearly all really did get on. Mm. And they're all such good comic actors. I, think, mm. I don't think they all get the credit for how good they are, particularly yeah. people like um, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer yes. Aniston, I think, is just one of the best comic actresses there has ever been. I agree. Um, some of her her line readings in that and her her slapstick stuff as well, superb. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they got to know as the series went on. They started to read what the actors were particularly good at, and would play towards that. Yeah. Um, and it had. It, I think there were there were always there were times when they got a bit too. Um, Schmaltzy about it, like there's. I, I cannot rewatch any episode where Chandler's being sincere. Yeah. Yes. As soon as he's doing his his sincere voice, I have to turn it off because it makes me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> when he proposes to Monica, oh, it's just awful. Um, mm. But there's sort of around, I think around sort of season season four there's just so much brilliant stuff in there my favorite thing to do with friends is when you re-watch it is uh, just watch chandler's weight fluctuate <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as he goes through various coke he went addictions through, he went through a, a really bony thin stage yeah, and then yeah. he got bloated and it was just uh it was a ride yeah. and a half well, like, we can't be too unkind about that because he was he was having he was having problems with addiction, addiction. to uh to prescription drugs <laughs> yes. so yes i agree with you i agree with your gaming theory but i feel a bit cruel maybe yeah, it's, a, it's like a cruel but... drinking game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. yeah, it wasn't amazing. And he was he was one of the few actors that is allowed. He was allowed to actually write with the writers. He was part of the writing team in a lot of ways, wasn't he? Yes, he was the he was the only one who was allowed in the room with them. Wow. And he's a very yeah, he's a very funny man. I think maybe the others didn't want to. I think it was yeah. from what I understand, it was more one of his interests rather than the others were all locked out. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. 
I heard, yeah, he's very, very, very funny man. I heard a similar thing on West Wing with Bradley Whitford, who played Josh Lyman. He was allowed to be part of the writing process at times on West really? Wing as well. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. An Let's talk about comedy for a second. I'm going to make a criticism now of critics. Here Ollie. we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I want you to defend critics, right? This is a half-baked theory. Okay. I think comedies are treated much more cruelly by critics than dramas. I think comedies are a lot harder to do. I tried to make a comedy once. It's very difficult. With some very <laughs> funny people. <laughs> and I think it's really hard. And I watched, just this week, I actually went to watch a film that got, uh, f- I think the Metacritic and, and Rotten Tomatoes and stuff gave it about 40%, which is bad. Um, the new Will Ferrell one, Get okay. Hard. And I actually think that it is uh, funny. I think I laughed a lot whilst I was watching it, which is a good measure of a comedy, I think. And it's similar to it's similar to Anchorman. You've got a couple of people there, Will Ferrell and his mate Adam Watsit, who have got set up their own little system there. And I always quite like seeing something that it might not be perfect, but there's some people creating something that is, they've managed to ring fence a bit of independence for themselves and things. So I always feel like flying the flag for them a little bit. And then when I saw the the reviews, I was like, that's well hard. I mean, maybe 70%. Did you watch that film? Do I, my my theory is this, Ollie? You have to watch a lot of things. You have to review a lot of things. Yes. And you go into the cinema to the press screening, and it's part of your work day. I wonder whether critics in general aren't in the mood for comedy. Mm. I well, I can't speak for anyone else, mm. uh, and I have to say, I haven't seen Get Hard, um, so I can't make a specific judgment on that. But I think uh, there's I semi-agree with with your point. But I think comedy is uh, far more than drama subjective. You know, in drama, something is really broadly either happy or sad, and everyone will agree that an event is either happy or sad. Yeah. But whether or not something's funny is totally down to what you as a person find funny. Yeah. Uh, but as as a like going I don't go in and watch things as a critic I go and watch things in the same way that I would if I was just going to cinema to watch something that I just fancied seeing I'm not putting on a different hat so I if something makes me laugh it makes me laugh and I will review it based on that mm. uh, the only thing I could possibly say is that maybe a lot of a lot of critics are older um, so maybe some of the films that some of the comedy films that are given poor reviews that then uh, you know younger viewers say this is hilarious. It's yeah. just a difference in um, in the sense of humour between generations. Very broadly speaking, I know there'll be people who are of sixty who will find fart jokes incredibly funny. Oh um, yeah, but, I went to watch Ted Two on the weekend, and yes. I thought it was one of the worst comedies I've ever seen. And um, you seen that, Ollie? I have. I reviewed. I reviewed that for Empire. It's um, it's interesting. It's something that I didn't really spot in the first one, but those films, both TED films, do not contain any jokes. No, they don't. It's, it's just. Um, in fact, there was one joke in it, and I'm going to try and remember what it was because it really made me laugh. And I, and I actually turned to my wife and said, "That's a joke, rather than just taboo." Uh, you know, just saying something yeah. taboo, making a black joke, for example. Exactly, which, so many. Which used to be funny when Family Guy first came out. 
you make a black joke because it's the taboo that you're not allowed to do. So everyone's kind of laughing at the idea of not being able to do something. Um, but but he's set that world up so much now and he's successful that you get used to it. Your palate gets used to it. However, at the end of the bloody film, which I almost walked out of and I've only ever walked out on Birkin Hair, which is the other <laughs> worst comedy I've ever seen. But um, at the end of it, people clapped. <laughs> and this is my point. Like you say that you go and watch things um, as a normal person, but most people, I saw a statistic the other day, most people go to the cinema twice a mm. year. Yeah, I can understand so that. So their investment in it is so much greater. And yes, the people clapping were younger. So your point, I think, is is exactly right. Um, that perhaps for them, that taboo thing was How many still stars funny. did you give it, Ollie? Uh, two. Yeah, it's, generous. It's, it's your, you know, your point about him making, I mean, an almost ever his belief that something becomes a joke if you put the words black guy yeah. in it is just terrible. But there's a horrible thing at the centre of it that the people who are not made fun of are his idiot bear who works in a supermarket and his um, slightly depressed single friend who seems to not be able to bring himself to do anything except go to the gym. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't poke fun at them. Everyone else is made fun of. And that's the thing that I think gives it quite a... It gives it this horrible, cruel streak. That yeah. If you're going to make fun of everyone and say that you're an equal opportunity offender, make fun of everyone. Don't make fun of everyone else except yourself, because that's just basically bullying. You've just been like a doctor that's diagnosed why... I didn't get emotional at the end of that film because I, I can get emotional at the end of any bad film. Like, if they do a sentimental thing, I, I can cry. And this is happening more as I get older. Yet with this film, it came to a point in the film that you'll know because you've watched it where you're supposed to be moved. Mm. And I couldn't care less. Mm. <laughs> I just couldn't care less. And I was like, this is a guy I, I pretty much like everything I watch. End of. <laughs> and, and this just didn't do it. It's just atrocious. And I... And again, like I was saying about Will Ferrell and Adam Watson ring fencing a bit of freedom, I think that's great when that happens. But this is a real ad- a- a- another side of that, which is that Seth MacFarlane. I think those people owe it to everyone who doesn't have creative freedom. They owe it to themselves to to get a few people and put it through their filters. You know, get some notes on it, get make it make it a better film. But it's it's almost like it's so arrogant to just go, no, this is this will do. It was almost like a first draft. Yeah, absolutely agree. It felt like a film that was trying to make up what it was as it went along. There was no... It didn't seem to have an idea of why it was existing. And then all those things have just... You know, we won't tell you a joke, we'll just show you something you remember. Like, there's that terrible... Um, sorry, I don't mean to keep dwelling on how bad Ted 2 is. No, do it. <laughs> but there's that awful moment where they go into that, that marijuana field yeah. and you, you spot for a second that um, Mark Wahlberg is looking at this leaf and you think, oh, this, that's like that moment in Jurassic Park. Yes. That's, that's quite funny. And then he turns his head. And they, oh, that's quite that's quite a cute little throwaway reference. And then they really just labour it, and it's just they go through the whole scene until the payoff line is Ted saying about plants, they move in herds, they yeah. move in herds. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense because they don't. No. And uh, <laughs> so it's just labouring the joke, and the music comes in, and everything. That, yeah. that actually sounded quite funny, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's no joke there. Well, that's, just, that's just hey, do you remember stuff? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, that worked for Peter Kay for a long time. Uh, Ollie, have you been to a watch a film in the cinema and there's been a round of applause at the end? 
Uh, well, I'd quite a lot. It happens quite a lot at um, big press screenings because they sh- partly they ship a lot of people in. They get people in from the the film company or friends of the film company <laughs> who will applaud. But if but generally, if a film has been was good, yeah, you will clap. I particularly remember the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. There was a lot of clapping and whooping. Um, whether I've been at a normal screening, a normal screening, as if I go to some rarefied screening um, <laughs> with the plebs. I don't know if I've been just generally in the cinema and people have applauded. I've had one gladiator. Really? Oh, oh well, I've all went eight in the cinema. <laughs> oh, thanks, James. Got to edit that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went mental. And you know what? I stood up and applauded too. It was one of those moments where you couldn't help <laughs> getting carried. I got carried away, you know. It's the, the amazing the music in that film and, uh, oh, just what a performance. <laughs> Russell Crowe. All Ooh. right, so you haven't seen Get Hard. You do agree on uh, Ted 2, so that's good. Um, but let's talk about Batman, right? Um, we were talking about films being made into TV series just mm-hmm. before. I think that... Uh, so I went to watch the, the new Batmans. They're not new anymore, 10 years old, but I, I went to watch the latest Batmans and um, hated them. Hated what, wow. them. Because I felt... I think Jonathan Ross, uh, we were interviewing him, and I think I ag- agreed with him... Um, in that I like my comic books to still have some energy of comic book in the they should be shorter and they should have some sense of fun so you can do the dark you can do all that but I just found it so long particularly the second one but the dark night it went bloody hell it's two and a half hours long I just now, heard Ollie gas I needed I needed <laughs> But there's like nine endings on it, carries on forever. Now, I I thought I would get, I bought them on DVD this week and I watched The Dark Knight again. I see a lot more in it now. Now that I'm not sat in the cinema needing a Wii, which might have been the problem, um, I saw a lot more in it. But it was still, it was still two and a half hours and it still felt the last 15 minutes, I was like, get on with it, just wrap it up. Do you think there's big films like that? that would actually, because what they're trying to do is explore a world more than a 90-minute thing can, do you think that that would have been better uh, with the same cast and the same director as a TV series? Uh, oh, that's a tricky question, because A, that would never happen. Yeah, you're that's just true. not going to get all those people calibre, yeah. for a, uh, a TV show. Um, in that particular instance, no, because I, I mean, I think I, I, I love all three of those films. I, I know there are a lot of people who hate the last one and on second watch it wasn't as good. Mm. Second one I think is superb and I think you're insane. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what Christopher Nolan did with his world, he did, he did brilliantly and he, and he did what I think you should do with any of those kind of comic book recreations is create a version that has not been seen before. That is not to say that couldn't have worked equally as well on TV, but I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always get slightly frustrated by the reaction that a lot of people have to comic book adaptations. And this is slightly off your point. No, go But um, when people get really annoyed when something is represented with a new version of something like say for example the jared leto joker in suicide squad oh, when yeah. people see that for the first time they go oh rah, 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 that's not what the joker's supposed to look like the joker's supposed to look like this he always looked like this in the comics so that, that's not what people are doing and there's no point in just directly recreating something that existed in a comic book and just putting it on screen no that there's no merit in that and that's also not what comic books have done for years and years and years the whole thing with comic books is that they have a they have an arc and that ends and then someone else comes along and reinvents it and does a new version Mm. but for some reason when you 
do that on film, people seem to get more upset about it and say, this isn't like it is in the comic book. And things like, you know, the new Spider-Man is going to apparently be following the ultimate version of Spider-Man as opposed to the amazing version of Spider-Man. And that seems to be fine. But if you see, if you do something that is just entirely your own recreation that is not taken directly from a pre-existing comic, you are messing with things that are not to be messed with. And I do not understand yeah. that kind of preciousness. And, and I, I also, understand it because... I think I also it's like the idea of, like, don't try and please the dweebs yeah. because you're not going to... You can't go <laughs> out there and just try and please the dweeb because you, you'll end up just getting trapped in a corner. Look at what they did with um, Zack Snyder, who's doing the new Batman Superman. Yeah. He did uh, he did the Watchmen film. And yeah. he was so scared, you could tell, of... of offending the fans of the graphic novel because it is amazing i've read it and everything but the film is almost like page for page yeah. version of the film and the film's a bit rubbish because of that yeah totally know. agree and that's the thing but the 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 comic book nerds you've got them already they're yeah. coming they're not even the if people, they hate they're it they're not the people you need to pull in the ones you need to interest are the ones who've who've not got an inbuilt interest in whatever that comic book is well i, I think you're both right but i understand it because i think it's the same as um uh, going to see a, a band live, you know, next time you go and watch um, Lady Gaga, for example, Ollie, um, <laughs> you'll want her to deliver paparazzi in the way that's on your CD. And when you see the artist being inventive with it and you've paid your money and you've bought your ticket, and I, and I think that's what we're dealing with with the comic book fans. They can't wait for this thing that they love and hold so dear they can't wait for their imagine, yeah. imagination First to, be, of all, to be writ large in front of them. They've not been out of the house in a year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've not showered, did they? No, I think that's insulting. And, but <laughs> I think the balance is, and I think Christopher thing, Nolan did did the, get the balance kind of right with Batman, in retrospect, because you have the gadgets and you have the characters and all of that, but you have enough of a, a new world created and enough of, enough of a depth. I just think that he just got again too much freedom just got carried away just there's no need for something to be two and a half hours long ollie <laughs> there's no need there is a film a film needs to be as long as its story is if it's if its story is 90 minutes it should be 90 minutes but there's like five endings between two hours and a half and three and two and a half hours i think maybe you've just misunderstood what an ending is Oh, no. Look, it's all right to think something's awesome, but also say, look, no bladder is built for this. Of course, it's okay to think something is great, but but also have issues with it. But there are so many... (laughs) There is no... A great film, I think it's Roger Ebert line, that the best films are not long enough, and the worst films are always too long. Yes, that's true. There's no defined... a, A film is not better for being two hours. If a film has enough to fill three, even four hours and have you scintillated at every moment, then that's how long the film should be. I've, I've seen plenty of films that are 90 minutes long and thought, and thought after 50, Jesus Christ, we well, can yeah. just wrap this up. There's nothing happening. Which think- works as an argument, apart from when you look at TV series. You love The West Wing, Ollie. Yeah. There are stories in different episodes of The West Wing, which if you, if you didn't have a set amount of time, perhaps could have benefited from being 45 minutes instead of 27 minutes or whatever it is, you know. Um, 43 minutes, whatever. Um, and my argument is that with a little bit, not, not, I don't want the producer system all over the place, but with a little bit of discipline, you'll do that thing of keeping more people than just you, Ollie. You're, you love Batman. You're that main audience. Are you, so 
So are you suggesting that uh, The Dark Knight, one of the highest earning films in history, <laughs> might have been a little bit more popular if they cut it down? Yes! I'm <laughs> suggesting it should be illegal to go beyond two hours, 17 minutes. I think like the, there is a, a point in that Christopher Nolan would work Dark, he'd make an awesome TV show because he's so good at creating a world and gradually building that world. And I think the, another example of that is uh, the Wachowskis, I think, are better in TV form because uh, I've watched Cloud Atlas and I've watched mm-hmm. The Matrixes and they get gradually worse. And, and Cloud Atlas is good, but it's just full of ideas and it's too big. And And I've watched the new TV show on Netflix, Sense8, and it's brilliant. And it's like you're allowed to just, they're allowed to just build the world a little bit more and they have so much fun in that world and there's so much more opportunity to experiment within it and I think some directors and sort of creators of of stories work better in a long format in a TV format than in in film I think you're absolutely right, I haven't seen Sense8 because I've kind of lost all interest in the Wachowskis (laughs) Yeah, that's what I had too, but honestly, give it a go Oh, I will do, I'll get round to it, but I think you're absolutely right There there are some storytellers who are much who are better suited to something where they can really take their time and yeah because tv is such a different thing from films you can't it's almost ridiculous to compare the two because Mm. in in tv it becomes so much more about slowly unwrapping a character whereas in a film you've got to do that extremely quickly and Mm. set up a story and, and and conclude it all in a very very short space of time whereas tv you can let it breathe much more but yeah you're i think you're absolutely right there are certain storytellers who just that medium just suits them more can I make a suggestion, Ollie? You can. Do you think that to some degree your job is pointless? Oh! Now, let me, <laughs> let, let me explain this. Ouch. And us, and us doing this box set, right? Oh, Maybe you. all of us should just quit. Oh, no, no, hold on. And I'll tell you for why, right? Um, my arguments about Christopher Nolan there, I felt the same way about Interstellar, which was like, oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Just you dropping. You don't need to hammer the point, though, because the point, it doesn't make sense in science, so don't bother. Just It's beautiful. <laughs> Leave it at that. And that was the thing with Batman. You don't need to remind us what your point is. However, he is who he is. And isn't it great? Like, well, I went to drama school, and there's some people who are entertainers who would be at the end of the pier doing comedy, and there's some people who are artists. And you can sit down, and you can watch those artists do a piece, and it can be brilliant for 20 minutes, and then you can just really want to go for the pub and think that it's a self-indulgent piece of toss for the next 20 minutes. However, that's who they are. You can't change them because that's when they're great. When they're at their greatest, they've got to be given the freedom that they've got. Same with Will Ferrell doing what he does. Same with Adam Sandler doing what he does. Same with, you know, David Lynch, whatever. The question is, is there any point in us? You know, what what are we doing this job for? Are we trying to, are we here to guide people? Or are we hoping that our comments will help form what becomes accepted? Because should we be trying to turn these people into things they're not? I, do, I mean, I don't think any any critics should be, whether any are, is trying to turn people into anything. I always say, and I don't think, yeah, I, you, there, is a, there, is, there, there are a lot of people who say it is a pointless job. And it's very hard to argue that it's a job that is essential, because <laughs> it's not. Um, but it, I don't consider it my job to say whether something is good or bad. That's not, it's not for me to tell you whether you will think something is good or bad. Yeah. But what the job is is to highlight stuff that is great. Like, you talk about people like uh, Christopher Nolan. I don't think people would know who Christopher Nolan was if critics hadn't gone mad for Memento. Right, yeah. Mm. And just said, 
this this film by this guy you've never heard of is brilliant. Go and check this out. And you can say that of so many of the biggest directors now. Mm. You know, Sam Mendes making Bond films. Yeah. American Beauty, it had big names in it, but that was not going to be any kind of huge thing on its own. It's about it's about when you find something that is new and special and you want to bring that to people's attention. Yeah, there are, we all see a lot of reviews of stuff that is terrible, and that is part of the job, and also they're a lot of fun to write. But <laughs> I don't think anyone, any critic would consider that their job is to decide for people what they should or shouldn't go and see. You're kind of, if you're doing it right, you should be like that mate that hopefully everyone has got where you trust their opinion. I talked to so many of my friends, it's like, well, what do you think of that film? I said, oh, it was rubbish. Well, why, why did you think it was rubbish? Oh, it just wasn't very good. Mm. And, you know, can't necessarily uh, articulate what they think about it because they're not, they're not doing it constantly and they, there's no reason to. But as a critic, it should be your job to be able to look at something and say interesting yeah. things about it. Say, yes. don't think this works because of this, but this works but this is like something that happened in another film, or this guy does this better. It's more about opening a discussion about something and, and having people engage with the film. I totally And maybe give them a view that they wouldn't necessarily have been able to put into words themselves or something that they might not have thought of. And I know with the critics that I like reading, I read them think, that didn't even cross my mind. That's a really interesting thing. I did not spot that thing. There's I'm going to go and check out this other thing you've recommended because of how you've spoken about that. That's what I think it's for. There's Very nothing good. better. There is no, you're so right. There's nothing better than, than when you read a review that nails why you didn't like something mm. or why you did like something. I, I, or even just... I remember once, like... Um, Hearing a Johnny Vegas talk about the Sex and the City film. Oh, brilliant. And he totally <laughs> nailed why it the was false not... false emancipation yeah, of women. It was, it was great. He, he just nailed it. <laughs> Johnny Vegas went on this rant about it, and it was brilliant because he just, he just totally <laughs> got it. a feminist rant. It was really... <laughs> yeah. It was really... I can't remember, I remember exactly what he said, but it was so... And it was he so said it's the, the false emancipation of women and uh, the idea that women's liberation means being absolute towards men and only caring about makeup and high heels and how big someone's is is um uh it, 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 it does women a disservice yeah which i'm sure he'd love um girls it as is, a result and, and it is great and, 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 and after, another example is after the mad men finale the season the season finale happened i wanted to see immediately what critics thought and what was the reaction and to also to get an in to sort of because I couldn't initially after I watched it I couldn't sort of initially come up with any kind of feeling of or of like a, what I thought about it good or bad and it was good to read what people thought and mm. read and articulate hear other people articulate it in different ways it was fascinating. I've got a question for you: What film do you really not like that most of your peers really did like, and you just went, oh, oh, that's a good question. Mm, thanks, thanks. Um. What do you think of a serious man? Uh, do you know what? I haven't seen that one. A right. serious man? Which ones? Oh, uh, that's the Coen Brothers. Brothers. Um, uh, that was another I... one that I went back and bought because I hated it so much. So I bought it and I hated it again. <laughs> I tend not to, and this is, I think this is borderline sacrilege. Ooh. I tend not to be a big fan of Terence Malick. Right. Well, Which one's Terence Malick? Terence Malick's the one. He did, um, oh, what was the, uh, the, red, the Thin Red Line? The thin Red Line, Tree of Life. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, certainly his, uh, well, maybe that's not quite fair. His, uh, his first couple of films, I think, are absolutely brilliant. But as he's gone on, I think he's become really dull. And, like, 
the old man who's not quite sure what's going on anymore and is trying to make comments on things actually turn out to be very banal but are done in an extremely long-winded pretentious way yes. and i'm gonna get there'll be so many people film fans will be screaming um at, at this right now but no i'm sure not. he there he's just somewhat he leaves me he leaves me completely cold now and just he, i think he overly labors points and does all these really cliched things like the end of the dark night <laughs> I just never want to see someone walking through a cornfield of sunset again while oh. the camera sort of twin twinkles around. Do you know, I watched that on a plane and it was perfect for the plane. <laughs> it was like, you know, when you're sort of half asleep yeah. and flying back from America and it's like, oh, yeah. I just want to not be going where I'm going. It yeah. kind of, it worked in that situation, but I think possibly only in that situation. So do you get slapped down in the office on a regular basis when you, you argue Terrence Malick uh, uh, films? I don't. I no longer work in the Empire office. I'm a freelancer. I work from home, so there's no one. To, there's no oh. one to slap me down. Oh, um, you're like Helen then. Helen's been on the pod as well. Oh, exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, very good. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't. I always kind of kept that opinion to myself because it would. <laughs> it would involve, right. What was the biggest? The what was the biggest argument over like something banal like a film that was? <laughs> I'd love to hear like a real vitriolic. Oh, <laughs> there was a huge huge argument about Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was between the camp who thought it was very weird but really interesting and someone deliberately tried to do something a bit odd and and actually doing that properly. Like, what they'd set out to do, they had clearly done. And the other camp who thought this was the most unbearable, twee, pretentious... <laughs> Naval gazing nonsense, um, and there was a lot. There was some very spirited argument about that. Yeah, because that becomes really personal, doesn't it? It's like yeah. because you're essentially saying to people, "You are a bunch of wankers." Exactly. <laughs> there are others. I think like the uh, was the Avengers contentious. No, that wasn't um, contentious. But there have been many of the big. Oh, the second part of the Caribbean movie. Ah, that really? Was, you, that was. There were a couple of people who really liked it. I really liked it, Ollie. Oh, so boring. Sorry. <laughs> no, you see, the thing is, though, I watched it first. I think I watched it in a vacuum, really. What's wrong with you? I, well, I just missed the first one and then went to the cinema and watched the second. And I thought, this is brilliant, because it's the first time I'd been yeah. introduced into that world. So I really enjoyed it. Oh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and everyone went, what do you mean? The and, that, and I didn't enjoy the first one then. So it was it was weird. Oh, the first dear. one is pure joy. The first one is just brilliant, yeah. good, fun, action, comedy, cinema. The second one decides, hey, we're important now. Let's make everything dark and give everyone a depressing backstory because that's what people know. No, they don't. <laughs> Whilst we're on Disney, um, we could be interviewing Olaf next week. Amazing. How good is that? That is terrific. The thing is, he's going to be plugging another film. He's like, oh. Seven minutes to sort of go. What's the other film? And then now, will you sing about <laughs> the summer, please? Um, he'll, he'll be used to it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ollie, thank you so much. Ollie. My pleasure. Is there anything that you expected to bring to this podcast? Because we, all we've done is ask you questions. Is there anything particularly pertinent that you're on your soapbox about at the moment? No, no. I've right. uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed being questioned and being told I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's brilliant. go stare in the mirror for a bit. 
They're all think about questions, life. and uh, as usual, you've changed my mind about everything that I think. So oh, that's very nice to hear. Thank you. Thank you, Ollie. And uh, will you come back and uh, talk to us sometime? I, I would absolutely love to. Thank yes. you. Brilliant, Ollie Richards, uh, freelance film, not tied to anyone, not tied down. Jeez. Um, there we go. Join us next week with hopefully Olaf on the box set. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 